This is WMPG 90.9 Southern Maine Community Radio from USM. In the Pocket, a talk show that showcases Mainers who are people of color. Each episode represents a member of the Maine community from art, culture, and business, the earth, wind, and fire of life. Embracing and exploring the Black diaspora and descendants of American slavery through conversation is the foundational concept of In the Pocket. The overall mission of In the Pocket is to create conversational space for all people of color that is documented and celebrated through sharing of life experiences. If you like what you're hearing and want to hear it again or want to check out our archive of past shows, look for us at inthepocket.captivate.fm or search In the Pocket on iTunes or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at In the Pocket and give us a follow so you never miss a show. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to In the Pocket. I'm your host, Paul Edwards, and our special guest today is Jennifer Rochelle. Um, she is an amazing singer. I saw her recently, or actually for the first time, but recently in person singing, um, and was really blown away, especially considering it was such a hot day. Um, besides that, um, please, Jennifer, introduce yourself. Thank you, Flo. It's so wonderful to be here with you finally. Um, And I really appreciate your kind words. My name is Jennifer Rochelle. I am originally from Brooklyn, New York. My family, I am actually first generation American. My family is from Haiti. And so it's funny when people ask where am I from here in Brooklyn, when you say that, it's like I'm not going to hear Trinidad or Island. But I realize they just want to know what block I live on. But my background is Haitian, and I now, I still work in Maine, but I have recently um, moved to Dover, New Hampshire, but I am still very connected to uh, Maine and through my work and just a few boards that I sit on. Have you been able to visit Haiti uh, before the pandemic in particular? Yes, I've been to Haiti twice, once with my mom, once with my dad, very two different experiences. Um, they are no longer, they have been together for a very long time, but um, I was a very young girl, about 10 years old when I went with my mom, and I was, I guess, early 20s when I went with my father. It was an amazing, this was after the earthquake, several years after, and um, it was still, it was hard to see like how much work still needed to be done. I love being Haitian and being a part of that culture. Um, it's a, it's. I, I say that and I think back to my younger days and I don't know what it was like in other parts of the country, but it was really hard being an 80s baby and growing up Haitian in Brooklyn. I mean, they love Jamaicans and that was it, right? When they came from like, people from Trinidad and stuff like the English speaking countries and Haitians had a hard time, and also my friends from um, African countries. But but now, I mean, I look back and I and I think about that. But um, yeah, I I only went twice, and I look forward to going back. But there's a lot of unrest at the moment, so I don't know when that that will be. Yeah, uh, would you mind expanding on? And you can say no, of course. Um, uh, in the '80s, growing up Haitian in New York was was a challenge. Yeah, I mean, I I, I I think about this quite often, and I remember having a conversation with my mom not too long ago, and she was like, Jenny, I had no idea. Like, it's 
okay, mom, you know. But interestingly, I started off going to school. So I was born in 83, so this is like maybe in the 90s at this point, before the Fujis. And I mean, the Fujis really put Haitian people on the map. So this is pre-Fujis. And um, when I was in Catholic school, it was fine. Like we were all from all over the place. And I grew up in a very, in very black neighborhoods, right? I didn't really have a lot of interaction with white people until I moved to New Orleans, believe it or not. But anyway, I, um, so I didn't know that there was a stigma with being Haitian until I went transition to be moved to Canarsie, Brooklyn, and I was going to public school now. And the question comes up, so where are you from? And I'm like, oh, I'm Haitian, you know, so proud and loud. And this was like maybe junior high school, so maybe seventh, it was seventh grade. And this girl pulled me aside and said, Jennifer, I'm going to tell you right now, do not tell anyone you're Haitian. They beat Haitian people up. And I'm like this, like, I am not a fight. I'm from Brooklyn, but I do not fight. I have no type of, like, abilities around that. And I was just like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Like, I have to come up. She's like, and she said, I'm not Haitian. My family's from Panama. She was Haitian. But that was her cover story. So, and then I realized that every person in my class who had French names, like Pierre, Jean-Paul, like all these people were from France, from, no one was from Haiti. I'm like, come on, Jean-Paul, I don't know you're Haitian, you know? But anyway, there was just so much tension and animosity and being called HBO, Haitian body odor. I mean, it was really bad. It was so intense. And apparently, I would talk to my cousins, like as we got older and you're, you know, adults talking, she said it was similar in, in Florida, like Miami, and it's just, it was, it was really tough. And, you know, friends who were from like, like Nigeria or Ghana, and, you know, they couldn't really hide as easily as us because we had like names that you couldn't really tell. But when you're from the, the continent, some of the names are very apparent, but anyway, it was tough. And I just wish I knew I wish I knew my history more and that we were the pillar of freedom for so many countries. And I don't fault the students and the and my classmates. I mean, there was a, I think about it, and I, you know, there was a real agenda against Haitians. I mean, we were considered one of the H's for HIV, right? Um, old HIV AIDS came from Haiti. And so that type of stigma seeps down into the everyday people, the lives of everyday people. And these are things I'm able to articulate now as an adult. But, um, and I don't want to go on because I can go on and on and on and on about about this. And because I do think it's very dynamic, and there are some tensions too between like you have your Black Americans, your Caribbean Blacks, and African Blacks, and it's a very that's a whole different conversation, which I love digging deeper into. And I and the reality is we reflect um, things that are happening beyond us. And I think what I was experiencing was a lack of education, also a stigma um, that has been placed on Haitians because we were the representation of Black freedom, right? And how dare these people in the 1800s like to be free? And so it was worldwide, wide, worldwide, this type of hatred towards us. And it was in the classrooms as well. So I'll punctuate there, Flo, I'm sorry. It's just a very, um, important thing and it just it just means a lot because I have a lot of regret around not knowing enough about who I was and I'm not saying that I would have been super proud because I didn't want to get beat up I still had to like go to function and learn 
Um, but I think I would have held my head held my head a little differently had I known what Haitian people really represented at the time. Okay. Truly a period now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to do like a semicolon because what you said was really interesting and thank you for sharing. Um, but it's really what I find. So people know how to self preserve, but sometimes when you're the marginalized people in the society, your self preservation is part is denying who you are because I can't tell you how many descendants of slavery that I grew up with, because I grew up in New York. It was Long Island, but still New York, um, before I moved to Maine. And everybody thought they had some Native American in them. You know, everybody is like part Cherokee or something. I'm like, sure, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so. Long Island, yeah, my dad sold his I spent my, my childhood half my mom was a single mom, and in the summer, I would spend it on Long Island, Suffolk County, with my my cousins. And I mean, I had a really great childhood because of like the family, the extension of family there. So nice. I love Long Island. Was it I like allergies, and I would go. I definitely go. <laughs> uh, was it like Brentwood, Islip? It were actually. Oh gosh. That was my hood. Napoli, Napoli, and my dad was White Ash and. Okay. Um, yeah. Did they so. know any? Well, Truesdale is probably a pretty common name, but did they know any Truesdales? Oh, I don't know. Okay. I only ask because we're kind of close in age. I'm a couple of years older, so I just thought I'd. Uh, yeah. So we can talk offline about your Long Island, um, New York roots. Uh, there, I don't really know much about it. But yeah, we can definitely talk about it you'll be like you don't know anything well, you about raised there right you said when did you move to Maine? oh i was 12 when we moved up here oh wow yeah oh, cool. so. what a transition oh uh, yeah yeah for sure for sure yeah um in fact one of the first friends i made in maine um we lived in the same apartment um complex um off of riverside and she was at the event that we were at uh this sunday Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know if you know. Do you know Margaret? No. Okay. Oh yes, I do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's beautiful. Yes, I do. <laughs> no, I, I don't know Margaret. <laughs> yeah. So, let's talk about your singing. So, how long have you been doing that? I have been singing forever. I have the cutest picture of me at maybe five with a microphone that had like a stand and everything. And I, I remember, I'm like, mom, like, did I really ask for it? I was like, yeah, you asked for a microphone. Um, and I, I just thought, I always, I look at that picture and I call it the cutest because it's, it's so interesting how we always know, right? Like from very young, um, from very young, who we're meant to be or who we're supposed to be growing into and who we are even in, in that moment and it's just through exposure and the expectations of others sometimes that that kind of you know goes a different way but i have been singing for a long time and then when i turned about 14 years old i joined the choir you know typical church choir I went to church my mom became really active we left the Catholic church and, and we was going to a baptist church and then uh, I was so, so shy. I mean, 
super scared of singing in front of people. And one woman gave me a chance. My director didn't believe in me so much, um, but one one woman did. And I, I still remember, I was, it was a Christmas special. And, she, and I had my hands up and I was folded. She's like, put your hands down. <laughs> and I remember just dying, bending through that, getting through that performance. And anyway, a lot of choir stuff. Didn't have any solo necessarily. Then I went to your college, McQueen's, um, for undergrad. And I was like, you know, I'm going to take acting. I'm going to take a course. I just need to get better at being out there on the stage. And uh, they, were doing, they were doing a show, uh, a jazz show, like this thing that this one professor would do every year. And I was talking to my current acting professor and I said, yeah, you know, I see she's like, you sing. Oh, me. And so she brings me to that professor Schilling's room and says, you have a singer for the show. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm just talking casually with you. And then I, oh my gosh, Blow! I mean, even though I did a little singing here and there, there's something about your first moment on the stage, even if you're terrified, that you just know that this is where you're supposed to be. And that's what happened for me when I did that first show. I played a jazz singer, like no name, like jazz singer Jennifer is playing this part. And um, I learned so much with that process, even with that professor who was guiding, that who's directing. And I just been singing for a long time. Went to a mega church, did a lot of soloing with them. I um, did a lot of plays through the church. It was, a, I mean, it was a big, big church with a lot of amazing, talented, renowned individuals. And I just try my best whenever I can. So that's kind of my singing story. That's great. So when you say mega church. What, what what can a mega church hold for an audience or it's yeah. um um it would sit about five thousand people at a at a service and we would have three services and we and then the, the, the i i used to go often and then they were like having a holding auditions for little shop Harris. but they dropped the horrors um they called it little shop because that was too risky to like say the whole name but it was exactly the same thing and I auditioned and um, got the part of Audrey, and it was an amazing, crazy experience. I've never done anything on that level, and it was so much fun, and I just was very engaged from then. And even though it was a mega church, that church, I went to Christian Cultural Center in Brooklyn, it's very tight at the same time. Like once you're like engaged, Everyone knows everyone. Everyone knows everyone knows everyone and everything. So it actually became very family-like for me. And then I was part of the freaking worship team, and I did all the things there. And then I went to grad school in twenty, maybe twenty sixteen. Was it for music or? Oh, that's another. I could not pursue music with a Haitian family. That was not going to work. And I mean, and this is what I meant by like, you know, you kind of know who you're supposed to be and then, you know, the expectations of others. And and I don't, I think those expectations make sense. I think it's about protection. And when you come from, and my, you know, my mom came here on her own. Literally, yes, you have support, but did a lot. and went through a lot, you know, to get where she is. And 
I remember going, we got a book for high school and you will flip through and see which high school you want to go to right at the end of junior high. And I came across the fame school, LaGuardia from the arts, high school from arts. And I said, wow, I, I found a school where I can sing. She said, singing? You're going to be a nurse. So I'm like, oh, I'm not a singer. I'm a nurse, right? And so um, that's what happened with that dream. So no, I pursued, actually, I hated nursing. I was forced to go to Canarsie and do my, get a my certificate nursing assistant and it was not for me. I was like, I do not, I cannot do patient care. But then I found public health and love, well, someone introduced it to me. Fell in love with public health and I pursued that from undergrad on. Yeah, so I, I feel very fortunate that I found something else that can pay the bills. Um, and something that I love. But I wonder, I do think about, I'm like, if I went to LaGuardia, I wonder where I'd be today, you know, because I see other friends who could go down that road and take that route and it's it's hard. It's I mean, being an artist is very difficult. I remember. I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm sorry. Glad I talked to you. Um, it reminds me of when the first text we got in acting, and it said, "This percentage of you want to make it, but in reality, one to two of you will." And it was the most humbling first sentence in the textbook I ever read in my life. It put things in perspective. So it's definitely, and it's not. You're not talented enough. You're not charismatic enough. A lot of it is luck and, you know, persistence and not giving up. And I wish we'd talk a little bit more about that. But anyway, anyway, I said a lot because I'll just stop there. No, no, that's my favorite thing about a good guest is like they just keep talking. That's my favorite. <laughs> love it. Love it all the time. Okay, so do you want to talk about public health at all since you enjoy that too? I mean, I, I can. My, my, my specialty is health education because I love to talk. My mom jokes that every report card she gets for me is great girl that talks way too much in class. We moved her around so many times and we cannot get her to shut up. So um, you need to fix that. And I just fell in love with health education and pursued that and did a lot of that work in Queens and then I went to graduate school in New Orleans and I didn't do any singing there unfortunately. I was focused on getting through the program because <laughs> you know you're already in New Orleans, you already have odds. Working against you're such a fun city. So fun. I'm like, how do you even graduate, right? In New Orleans, who goes to school there? But anyway, um, but yeah, I just I, I really love it. And now I teach at UNE, and I love that. I love that part of engaging with students. So, I mean, I don't know if you have a specific question about that, but. So, yeah, so what do you, what's your subject matter at UNE? Yeah, so I focus on health education design. That's a course that I develop for the MPH students, the Master of Public Health students. And I also teach undergrad. I teach program planning and evaluations. So building programs for prioritized populations and really thinking through um, why would this and why would this work? And doesn't make sense so it's it's really fun and i mean there are two very different audiences and sets of student groups but it's really um i think i love i think that's one of the things that i love most about my my job is teaching yeah the teaching part of yeah for sure and engaging with students one-on-one through meetings i love that that sounds great um so it's Awesome that you did a master's program and now you're teaching in a master's program. 
Is that often how it works? <laughs> that's how it works for me. And I, so I don't have a terminal degree. I don't have a doctorate or anything. But I had a lot of experience. I worked, I worked a long time before getting my graduate degree. And it just fit for this position. So I was one of the slots that they allowed in that didn't need um, a DRPH, a doctorate in public health, or a PhD. I still think about it. But at this point, I feel really comfortable with where I am and really want to focus on my artistry, being a singer. And I don't want to take that gift for granted. Not that I think I'm, I'm the best or the most, but there's just something about um, the passions that are placed within us that we should pursue before we're no longer here. So I'm not going to look back and say, oh boy, I wish I did that another hundred grand on a no I wouldn't but I am going to regret saying no to opportunities to sing and tell a story through song you know so I, I'm, I'm at the age where I'm kind of like putting those types of things into perspective and prioritizing art more now that my mom can't tell me what to do no I'm kidding I love my mom <laughs> and you've established uh, probably a safety net yes right so it's a good thing. Um, so what are the steps that you'll be taking to pursue singing more seriously? Yeah, like engaging with musicians, putting myself out there. I just did a show with, I don't know if you know Studias, but he, he has um, so many bands. A lot of them are New Hampshire based, but he used to, he does, he does a show every, I think every six weeks at Blue. And, um, and then I connected with another person from my church Today's Najee, he actually is the only black theater company, Seacoast area. So um, he has a theater company called Theater for the People. They do amazing things. And and I was privileged enough to um, do, they covered Sly and the Family Stone at Press Room. And I was able to sing with them and engage with music. So I'm at the point where I just want to engage more musicians and just build relationship, pursue opportunities. And I just, I also feel that there's just something about, I don't know how much you know about human-centered design. Oh, no, I don't know how me. much you know about human-centered yeah. design, but there is, um, anyway, I'm a manifesting generator, and there's just this thing about me where it's like I start to like see things and put it out in the universe. And I think we all have that ability, right? And then things start to come, but you do the work, but and those opportunities kind of meet where you're you know making an effort but anyway so those steps are engaging musicians building a repertoire really maybe doing a little bit more a little bit of writing i'm not sure but just getting out there saying yes that type of thing right yeah showing up getting out there that is like half the battle yes yes um, are you going to be showing up at Blue every six weeks? Is that something you said? or? Well, that's Stu. Stu, Stu Diaz and his band. He has a band called um, Soggy Po' Boys and Midnight Barbecue. He's very New Orleans and funk, which is like amazing music. So he does gigs at Blue. So we've been working together to kind of figure out my own type of musicians and getting a slot there maybe in the future, I'm hoping. But we're just in the process of just planning it all out. 
maybe, I don't know if it's the right thing to say at this point, but I'm putting it out there. Hopefully soon you'll see me on the boob. I love it. Um, so before we wrap up, I just wanted to know, was there anything that we didn't talk about that you'd like to talk about? No, and maybe I'll end with that. I, I really honor the life of an artist, the work that you're doing, the work that we're all doing. And I, I believe that we're all creators, right? Regardless. And that's one thing that I try to push my course. Right? Like, well, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but you're also a creator. You have a creative um, element to you that you need to explore because that's what we're here to create and to um, offer meaningful experiences to people. And I think one of my core values as a singer is to tell the story. I don't know if I always achieve that, but I really try to tell the story and to connect people and to just be able to trans. It's such a gift to be able to be in a position to transport someone into a different realm and space, whether it be through photography, radio, music, art, you know, like um, painting, whatever it is. Um, and not to take that gift lightly. It's uh, really, it's really a special thing to do. Well, thank you for sharing that. Uh, I think that I'm going to quote Alice Walker when she says, I think it's her quote, um, we give up our power by not thinking we have power. So if you don't think you're a creator, then you're not going to create. Yes, I love that. I need to add that to my class next time. <laughs> yes, yeah. There you go. Absolutely. Fact check the uh, first part of that. The other one I just threw in. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh my God, Jennifer, I've had such a colorful um, conversation with you. The time flew by. I love that. Um, please, how can ITP listeners follow you, get in touch? What's the plug? Well, you can engage with me on Instagram or Facebook. I am an older millennial, so I have more friends on Facebook than I do Instagram and my name on both are uh, or is Jennifer Rochelle, J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R-R-A-C-H-E-L-E. And I look forward to connecting with all of you out there. And thank you so much for providing me the opportunity to engage in this conversation. It was very fun. We covered a lot of things. Hello. Yeah, we, we did up, down, round, uh, yeah. a U-turn. And yeah. <laughs> it was great and I didn't realize it was happening sometimes I talk to people and I'm like pulling teeth and even though I'm a dentist it's actually easy to do that but like for the common person the who's not a dentist pulling teeth is actually tough so yeah <laughs> yes so sometimes I talk I meet people and they're like really smart and everything but they're hard to talk to and so I I'm never going to do an interview just because it's a lot of work yeah. yeah. You are not a lot of work. So thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And tell us Jack- both comments on that report card. I mean, it was because of something. Right, right. And when you said that, I thought about um I found my mom was moving, uh well, she moved last week. And on one of my old report cards it says respect other people. Like that was one of my like comments. I respect other students basically. Wow. What does that even mean? I don't I'm not a bully. I don't know. But, uh. <laughs> no, but that's amazing. You can just not be a bully, but there's something about your character that honors the space that other people hold. That's amazing. Yeah. Yes, I love that. Okay. Well, thank you. It's uh, the Pisces in me, I guess. So, 
Ah, um, Libras. You know, I didn't really hang out with Libras until I was an adult, and I'm still on the fence about them. Like, even though like they are, they measure like justice, and they're supposed to be like about balance or something. They always seem to be hard to like. I feel like I'm like, did you just lie to me? Like, I have one Libra friend. I'm like. That's not what you just told me. Like, why can't you just tell me the story right the first time and said I have to listen to you tell the story three times and then somewhere in there I've got the actual story. Is that being true for you? I know people say Libras. I am I I am not a liar. Is this person a, is this person a man? It's a woman. It's just, they're always women. I prefer hanging out with women. I always have. Um, but I have some male friends, but it's usually a woman. And yeah, I would say, no, I don't call them lies. I just feel like they're good at telling stories or they like to sound interesting. Like, I, I give them leeway. I'm going to add a little something. I try not to go so far. Like, if I, go too, if I get too caught up in the moment, I will say, okay, maybe that's not really accurate, but it's fun. I will admit, but I didn't do any of that. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not real genuine. <laughs> I felt genuine. It felt genuine. Yeah. But I do, I, and I think it's about the charm thing, which is kind of creepy sometimes for people, and social and being sociable and not wanting. I don't. It, it's 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 layered. It's a layered thing. But um, I don't know. I, I anyway, I have a funny funny story, but I'll tell you when. Yeah, I yeah, it. yeah. Um, Sorry, I hadn't stopped recording because I thought this was funny. So, uh, <laughs> but I will stop now. If you like what you've heard and want to hear it again or want to check out our archive of past shows, look for us at inthepocket.captivate.fm or search In The Pocket on iTunes or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at In The Pocket and give us a follow so you never miss a show.